I want all he's got. How about you? Well, I want to first thank uh, Dr. Jacobs and Mom Jacobs for allowing me to minister. That wasn't my intention. Uh, they said we was having a party, so Pastor Angie and I liked to party, and we found out it was Dad's going to be Dad's 70th birthday. Of course, I knew he was turning 70, but I found out that they were having a birthday party, and I said, well, we're going to that. I mean, we're not going to miss 70. I mean, you're only 70 once. You know, 71 is different than 70. You know, it just, it just is. The round numbers mean something. I don't know what that is. But anyway, so we said we're going to go there, and, and uh, we made plans to come and everything. We're so honored to be here. And then he asked me to minister, and that's, uh, that's my, my honor and my joy to be able to do that. So thank you. Uh, that wasn't the intention, but we're glad that we're here. Amen. And uh, we're thankful for what God's put in our heart to help all of us this morning. Amen. So let's hope. So happy birthday. I'll be the first one to say it. Happy birthday, Dad. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. We look forward to celebrating this day with you. Let's open our Bibles, if you would. And I see it's right at 11 o'clock, so I'm, I'm good. We want to get out here by 12. That's what I'm told, right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin there, and I'll do my best to get through all this. Uh, but more importantly, we're just going to follow the Holy Ghost and do what He wants to do. I want to talk to you this morning you're taking notes, uh, I want to talk to you this morning about learning how to stand in faith. Learning how to stand in faith. There's nothing more important, and this may sound kind of cliche or whatever, but there's nothing more important to your life. And really, if the body of Christ would get this in their heart and really get a divine revelation of this, it would change your life forever. Just what Dad was saying earlier, if we got a real divine revelation of our authority, who we already are, not who we try to, you know, who we're believing to be when really we already are that if we would ever get a divine revelation on that it would revolutionize our life and if we get a divine revelation on faith and how faith really works i mean you know you you think about faith and uh you know uh, brother hagan said faith is at an all-time low in the body of christ yet there's more people teaching on faith than has ever been for i mean in my lifetime i'm only 53 so in my lifetime there's more people preaching on faith now than ever has been and yet there's faith at an all-time low I mean, how could that be? Because most people have it in their head. They don't have it in their heart. They have it in their head. They live out of their mind. They live out of what they know, not what they experience, not who they're walking with. And that's a big difference. But you need to realize faith. There's nothing more important to your life and to your family than your faith. Nothing's more. By faith, we please God. By faith, we receive from God. By faith, we receive all that God has for us. Faith encompasses our whole life. Without faith, we cannot operate in our authority. So faith is intertwined in our whole life. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith. We don't visit faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, faith is supposed to be an ongoing, continual action in our life. We live from a position of faith. We don't visit it. We don't just get in it when we're in trouble. We live by faith. Faith, in other words, I can't separate my life from faith. It is part of me. Because it's so part of you, you can't see yourself living outside of it. And when we get to that point where we're thinking about our faith, talking about our faith, meditating about our faith, thinking about our faith, meditating our faith, thinking about it again, and meditating again, and we're spending constant time developing our faith, we will live at a different level than most people. Your life will look different. You will look different. You respond to things differently because you're living out of that place of power. And when we live out of a place of faith, faith never makes provision for failure. Faith doesn't fail. Faith never fails. When we learn to live out of that place. Amen. And so I want to talk to you some specific things about how to stand by faith, which is really, you know, there's a lot of aspects of faith, but this is just one I want to center up on. Now, let's look at this in Ephesians chapter 6. I'll read just a few verses of Scripture. And I taught some of this at the uh, son's meeting that we had at my church, and I just felt impressed in my spirit to really teach on this, but we're going to include some other things this morning. So look at this in Ephesians chapter 6, and it says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, power, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now this is the realm of the Spirit He's talking about. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all stand to stand. Therefore, having your loins girt about you with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take on the helmet and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now it's interesting to note in verse 16, this word above all in the Greek, it doesn't mean the most important. When it says above all taking the shield of faith, that's not talking about the importance of faith. It's talking about the position of faith. And in the Greek, it means in front of you and around you. So he's saying above all, make sure that faith is in front of you and around you. Are y'all with me? Okay, now let's go back here to verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. His might. This word power is the word authority. It's the Greek word keratos, and it means dominion, might, or authority. And this word in the Greek, there is no greater word for the word power or authority than in this verse. And in this verse, this is talking about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God's power that raised him from the dead. And notice what he's telling us. He's telling you and I, we are to be strong in that power. We are to be strong in the dominion and in the power that he's given us. Not in our physical strength, but in our spiritual strength. There is a strength that comes from the spirit that supersedes the natural realm. So there's a strength in the realm of the spirit that we're able to stand. That's why he starts out talking about uh, how you're going to stand. You're going to stand in the power of his might. You're not going to stand in the power of your might. You can't stand up to the devil in your might. You can't stand up to the demons in your might, in your physical strength, in your mentality. You cannot stand up to him in your soul. But in the realm of the spirit, you have authority and you have victory over him. And God has put that power on the inside of you. Amen. So that you and I can rule and reign over all the demonic forces that come against us. Now we got to know that. We got to know that we've got the power over the devil. Amen. Now, in the uh, uh, Passion Bible, it says, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength. So supernatural strength exists. Think about that. In the realm of the spirit or your spiritual life right now, there is a supernatural strength that exists. Now, whether you and I walk in it is connected to our faith. If he said in the word there is a supernatural strength to walk in, then I got to put my faith in that. That no matter what I feel, no matter what it looks like, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what's in front of me, there is also a supernatural strength to deal with whatever I'm dealing with. Now, you can try to deal with that with your own natural, uh, your own natural man, and you'll fail every time. But when you realize there is an inner strength about you that God put on the inside of you that you can tap into at any time, then you are the victory. You're the victor. You're not the one that's succumbing to all this. Amen. So it says here, be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Now we're talking about relationship. Stand victorious. Stand what? Victorious with the force. The fourth is with, force is with you. (laughs) Of his explosive power flowing in and through you. So he's talking about being infused, our spirit being infused with such a powerful force that it's flowing to us, but it's flowing through us. It's flowing to us for strength and it's flowing out of us to deal with problems. One expositor translated this verse this way said, be strong in the Lord and then the powerful outwardly demonstrated ability that works in you. We might not see that in our life, but it's available. Be strong in the Lord and in the powerful outwardly demonstrated ability that works in you as a result of God's muscular ability. 
So it's God's strength on the inside of you. So in other words, everything that you're dealing with in life, you're dealing with it with the strength of the spirit, not the strength of the flesh. And that's why he's talking about when faith is out in front of you and around you, it hits faith, not you. When it's hitting you, it's bypassing the strength that God gave you, and now it's affecting your life. Because we're not using the shield of faith that's in front of us and around us. And getting up every day so and saying, Father, I am strong in the power of your might today. There is strength coming to me and there is strength flowing through me to deal with all the issues that I got to deal with today. Whatever they are, wherever they may come from, it does not matter. I'm going to stand in that strength. That's why he starts out verse 10 telling you what you have to use in order to stand. He starts out with the power that you have, the ability that you have. Then he tells you how to use it. Now, just like Dr. Jacob said earlier, all these things have been given to us, but we've got to be the one to activate them. And if we don't activate them, then we're not able to use them. Now, it says here, now this is, this is the power that God, the authority that God's given you to deal with issues, problems. No matter what they are and no matter how they come. Now, This is important that we see this in verse 11. I want you to circle some words here that we're going to talk about. Now, I'm not trying to be too Greeky. I'm just, I want you to see this. And it says in verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now, circle the word stand against the wiles. Circle the word against and circle the word wiles and circle the word the devil because all those words are very important that we understand. How many of y'all know in order to defeat your enemy, you have to know him? In any battle plan, any war we've ever been into, they study the weaknesses of the opponent before they ever start. In other words, listen to me, they know how to defeat them before they begin. That's good right there. They know how to defeat them before they begin. If you know how to defeat the devil before you even begin, there'll never be a battle you won't win. Some of them are more and more intense than others, I realize, but victory always is for the believer. The child of God always has the victory on the inside of them if they'll learn to do some of these things. Amen? Amen. Now, this word stand here out of verse 11, it means to to be firmly fixed. It means unyielding, standing straight up. So I'm standing straight up and I'm unyielding. I'm not backing down. It's a position because I'm strong in His might. If you're strong in the power of God's might, and you really believe that, why would you ever bow over? Come on. Why would you ever back down from the one who's already been defeated? Mm. It's only because we don't know who we are. And when you don't know who you are, you'll, you'll believe what you're not. Yeah. And then it says here, notice he said, stand firmly fixed against, and that means in direct, uh, it means stand direct in front, eye to eye. So you're standing directly in front of the devil in his face, standing eye to eye, not backing down. You're not going to back me down. Not because of my strength, but because of who's in me. And then this word wiles, this is an interesting word in the Greek. It means a road. It means an avenue. It means a one-laid traveled path. It also means trickery, and it also means craftiness. So by using this word wiles, he is telling you that the devil is going to come down the same road, the same path, use the same trickeries, never use anything different. It's going to always be the same. This is going to matter in a minute. He's always going to come the same way. He will never come a different way. He always, it'd be like me walking down this aisle. I'm going to walk down that. I'm always going to walk down that aisle. That's just the way it's going to be. Now, are you with me? That'll mean something in a minute. Now, this word devil here, this word devil in the Greek means diabolos, and his name is not devil. His name is Satan, which means slanderer or accuser. The prefix of the word devil is D-I-A, dia, and it means from side to side and go from one end to the other. And then the the other side of this word devil is, is the Greek word balos, which means to hurl or throw something like a rock. So the word devil isn't talking about his name, rather his job description or how Satan's going to operate. 
So when he uses the word devil, he is referring to Satan. I realize that, but he's referring to an operation. He's referring to how he's going to come at you. So he says these wiles, he's good, the devil's going to come down what? The same road, the same path, and he's going to hurl things at you. And it's going to be from one end to the other. In other words, it's going to be constant. It's going to be continual, but it will be the same way. Are y'all with me? Yes. Now, so when he, we put these, these verses together, uh, the, 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 we put these verses together, it means that you and I are to stand fixed against him eye to eye, never backing down, amen, knowing how the enemy is going to come. Now, I want you to see this. This is interesting here. And notice it says that we are to stand against the devil. Now, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians and Paul gives us some information here that we need to look at that'll be helpful. Now, he says, these wild, what are these wiles? So if it's a road and he's going to come down the same road, what are these wiles that we can stand against? What are the wiles? And this is what's important that Paul brings us out in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And it says here in verse number 11, it says, least Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, the word devices in the Greek means mental arena only. It means thoughts. So now what Paul is telling us, we need to really understand something. This verse here carries the idea in the Greek of a deceived mind. Satan's plot to fill human beings with confusion, lies, misunderstandings, he hurls these thoughts. They are continued from one end to the other. He comes down the same road, the road of the mind. This is where the enemy gets us. One expositor says it this way. This word also carries the, uh, the, the, the notion of, of mind games. They're deceivable mind games. In other words, the enemy is going to continue to strike your mind and strike your mind and strike your mind with lies, with accusations, with what should be, what could be. Over, he's going to keep striking your mind from one end to the other, continual, nonstop, until he gets movement out of you. If I know the enemy comes one way and that's the only way he comes and then I know how to stand against that enemy that's coming against me, I will win every time. So Paul is letting us know with these two verses in mind that when the enemy attacks your life, he's not going to come any other way. Some of you, many of you today, he may be having, uh, uh, you know, your mind's like a playground. That you're allowing him to stay in your mind. You're allowing him to tell you how things are going to come out. You're allowing him to tell you how things are going to be. You're letting him play in your mind. He tells you that you're worthless. No one loves you. No one cares. It's never going to come out. You'll never have enough money. You'll never be able to get through this. Whatever it is, it's a constant hurling coming at you constantly. And Paul is letting us know this is his device. And then the Greek in the or excuse me, in the amplified version of that verse, it says to keep Satan from getting advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and his intentions. So we don't need to be ignorant of the mind games or the thoughts and the way the enemy comes against us. I mean, if the word tells us, and then you and I raise up a standard against him, and you and I hold fast to the word, and you and I put our faith in the word of God, we'll get through that situation. But if we sit back and allow our mind to be a playground of the devil and we sit back and just sit there and kind of just dream in a negative route or we're just kind of in a stupor and the enemy is just passing all these things, all these thoughts, all these things coming across your mind, the way that's going to be, how it's going to come, all these different things that's striking our mind over and over and we're not responding to it then guess what happens? Those thoughts begin to grow and those thoughts will have an influence over your life. Because if you don't do something with those thoughts, you will start to actually believe it even though it's a lie. 
It'll be so real that you think it came from you. You think you, it, it originated with you, that it makes sense to you. And he so deceived our mind to think certain things that he wants us to think. And now unbeknownst to us, we are actually playing out those very thoughts. And he's so subtle. He doesn't come with a sign over, neon sign over his head, hi, I'm Satan. He comes subtle. He comes through the back door. He, come, he don't come through the front. He comes in such a subtle way and uses people even around you sometimes. Oh, my goodness, yes. And you'll find those people in your life that aren't right, they will reinforce what the devil's telling you. Because now those thoughts are coming to you and other people are saying the same thing. So it's almost like, well, this must be the... Must be right. I mean, you know, even other people are saying that. They had no idea. Yeah, but the devil did. He knows what you're entertaining. He knows what you do. He knows what you're meditating on. He knows what you're allowing to run through your mind. And he only puts people around you just to influence that and reinstitute that. That same thought, same sort of failure, same thought of defeat, same thought you're not going to get through. The whole thing over and over and over so that you'll believe it. In order for the devil to move your life in any direction, he has to have your cooperation. He cannot do it without your cooperation. And so what he does is he comes to strike the mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The word thinketh in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word shinar, and it means to split. It means a place of access. It means a gatekeeper. And so he says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So he is saying what you allow your mind to open up to, what you allow your mind to open up to, what you allow your mind to open up to, that is the place of access that the enemy's coming against. He's not coming against your spirit if you're born again because he can't come through that gate. But he comes through the gateway of the soul. So he'll put feelings on you. He can attack the soul. He'll put certain feelings on you. He'll, 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 he'll cause certain uh, things to be, to, to be played out around you. He works in the soul realm. And when you don't take authority and take care of your mind, and your mind now becomes a playground where it's almost like, my God, I can't even think right. I'm under so much pressure. And you'll find if you feel that way, you're not responding generally to that pressure. Because that pressure, not because you're bad, because that pressure seems right, seems real, seems truth. It may be truth or, or fact that you're under attack, but the truth is you get the victory through the word. So the enemy knows if he's going to move your life, if he's going to move Dr. Jacob's life into an area that he wants to move it, attack the mind. Can't attack a spirit. Attack his flesh. Attack those who are around him to influence him. Have words coming into his ears. Have situations to come up. It's almost like a scheme or it's almost like a, 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 a ploy that the enemy is using. It's like a script that he has plotted out for your life. You've got to use the soul. You've got to attack the mind. Now use all these entities to do that. Put enough pressure on him where he'll want to quit. Put enough pressure on him where you can't respond. And the very moment when those thoughts come and we don't deal with them, then they begin to get more on us and more on us and more on us. And before long, we don't have no joy. Well, you always have joy. It's in you. Joy is something that comes out of you. But anyway, it's a different sermon. All of a sudden, we feel depressed. All of a sudden, we feel bowed over. All of a sudden, we feel that we can't move on past this because our finances... We're under such financial attack. We're under such marital attack. Our kids are this or that. Fill in the blank. But when he keeps, he keeps pounding and pounding and he will not quit. But see, knowing that he comes that way and then know how to deal with him, you'll win. And you know, in Daniel, uh, it's actually a prophetic book, Daniel chapter 7, verse 30, 25. It says, in the last days, the last days before Jesus comes, there will be a wearing out of the saints. Yeah. And in the Hebrew, it means in the mental arena only. So the attack the enemy is going to come against you will be greater in the mind than anything else that you do. 
If he cannot defeat you in your mind, he cannot defeat you. If you're defeated in your mind, you will be defeated. If you're sick in your mind, you'll be sick in your body. If you're defeated in your mind financially, you'll be defeated physically. All he's got to do is defeat you in that realm. We do the rest. Amen. And it's a constant thing. It's constant. You know, a couple of years ago, I went on a, uh, a hike and um, we were walking through this place and all of a sudden we went through a, a little valley and there was rock, big boulder rock, and then there was water that was just dripping. You know, some was running, but there was others that was just dripping. And, um, and so I, I was just, I thought that was interesting because, and I was looking at where it was dripping and where it was dripping was concaved where that water had just kept dripping and dripping and dripping. And eventually it was creating a hole. He was eating through it. And the Lord immediately, he said, that's what thoughts do that you don't deal with. He said, the enemy doesn't come all at one time like that. You see that river flowing. He said, it's a slow drip. And it's the persistence of those thoughts that we don't deal with that eventually like bore a hole in us. So the enemy don't come in like a flood generally. It'll be slow and persistent. Why? So that he's not discovered. The enemy wants to work in our life without being detected. So if he comes in too fast or in a different way, you identify him. And when you identify him, oh, I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. But if he comes in methodically and he comes in slowly and he comes in subtle and he comes in with things that really make sense to you, it's almost like you being raised, you know, you're raised in a home and your mom or dad tell you it never amount to nothing. And so the devil will use that and tell you, well, you know, you were growing up, you know, you were told you'd never amount to anything. Now, those thoughts that are coming, this is the reason why we don't fight against these thoughts, because they make sense. They make sense. He's not coming and giving you a thought that doesn't make sense. You'll never be anything. Nobody loves you. No, you'll never have any friends. You don't have any friends now. It's because you're a freak. You're weird. You're strange. And everybody tries to get around you. They leave you. What's the point of you even being here? A person doesn't wake up one day and commit suicide. It's after the enemy has hurled thoughts and hurled thoughts and hurled lies and kept going persistently, methodically, continually, ongoingly until he gets movement out of the person. And I grew up in those thoughts, so they make sense. I don't recognize those. Now, if there was a thought that came that was unrecognizable, that would be an illogical thought. And that, I would recognize that immediately. Oh, that's the devil. But thoughts that make sense to you, you've always been sick. You're never going to be well. So you come up in a prayer line already defeated. You're already defeated in your mind, hoping that somebody here has something that's going to get on you to help you. And generally it would, the anointing will work. But you know what? Then most of the time what we do is we just talk ourselves right out of it. Well, I didn't feel anything. I guess I didn't get anything. Then the enemy will tell you because you've been sick and your family's been sick or you've had cancer or you've had this, then the enemy, he keeps going there. You know, you ain't going to get past this age. You know, you, know you, you just need to get everything in order because, you know, you, you, you're not going to be around long. I mean, he'll do whatever he can do. And all I'm trying to show you that is it's the same road. It's the same road going down the same path over and over and over. So the water on that trip, the water didn't bore a hole through that rock by force. He bore it through persistence. Amen. And over much time. Nobody wakes up one day and decides to do something that harmful to themselves. Or all of a sudden he goes out and, 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 and or wakes up one day and said, I want a divorce. No, the enemy's been massaging your mind for a long time. Or get up and shoot somebody. Are y'all with me? It's going down the same path, using the same road, hurling at you continually from one end to the other. 
So he'll work what? Slow. The enemy will work slow and consistent. And he'll be persistent. And he watches you to see how you talk, to see how you act, to see what you do with thoughts. Does this thought move them? Do I get any movement out of them in this thought? Does this move them in a direction? Give them a dirty thought. See if they'll get and click on the internet. Get them a thought, give them a thought that they're really not a boy when they're a boy. Give them a thought, thought that they're strange. Give them a thought in this area that they're really, they're a girl, but they, they, they like girls, they don't like boys. Give them that thought. And he watches what we do. Tell them they're worthless. Tell them they're a bad mom. Tell them they're a bad dad. Whatever you got to do to try to convince them that they are not what the word says. And, and, and if, I, if I can convince them that they, that they aren't, now watch this, if I can convince them of what I'm telling them, even though they see it in the word, they won't believe it. Because I've rooted myself in their mind to the point where even though truth is coming, they won't receive it. Because nobody sees what you do behind the scenes. Nobody sees what you do in your room meditating on and the devil tells you you're stupid, you're never going to learn, you're this, you're that, you're the wrong color, you're born in the wrong family, whatever. Nobody sees the hurt. Nobody sees all the things that people go through in the background. We only see it when it manifests. Then when it manifests, we know you've been troubled in the mind. But if you and I start understanding how the enemy works and then, we under, and then we use the word of God to say, no, I don't care what the devil said. This is what the word of God said. And this is what I'm going to believe right here in spite of what the enemy tells me. I mean, that's what you got to do. I was raised in the projects. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to a broke mind. I was broke as they come. I seen my mom stand in cheese line, bread lines, right over here in the projects. I used to live in Graybrook Project, grew up there. Live in Beechwood Project, grew up there. And I know when the devil told me, you're never going to amount to nothing. My friends, some of them are in prisons, but still are. I mean, you know, I mean, you're never going to amount to anything. You're going to be like, just like everybody else. And he hurls those thoughts and they make sense to you. I don't recognize that as the devil. It makes sense because everybody around me is poor. My friends were poor. My family was poor. So when he naturally tells you you're going to be worthless, it's easy to believe it. Now, is that the truth? No, it's not the truth. The truth is what sets you free. The truth of the word is what sets you free. But I'll guarantee if you told me back then when I really believed that about myself, I wouldn't have believed it. You know why? Because I don't see it. When Dr. Jacob started teaching on finances almost 30 years ago, and I, I didn't tithe, and I was just all jacked up in, in a lot of realm, in, in areas of my life. But when he started talking about some of these things, I said, I, I heard what I needed to hear. Now it's up to me to do it. And I stood in a, in a trailer in Cordon, Indiana. Brother Liss was there in the back of a cornfield. I had a three-legged couch because one of the legs were broke. Wearing one polyester suit, jacket, no pants, just a jacket. It was ugly, but that's all I had. And I had a couple of little ties I got from Walmart. I don't even think there was a Walmart. I think it was Kmart then. I don't know. And I was somewhere going to happen, praise God. But that's what I had. And he started talking to me about finances and how I could be blessed and how I could walk in prosperity. I, I never seen no prosperity. I mean, I'm going home to not prosperity. I'm driving in a car that when you hit a bump, truly, it went like this for about a half mile down the road. If I'm given a tithe, that means we don't have no food. How, how am I, what do you mean blessed? What do you mean I could be blessed? See, and all that's hitting my mind. You'll never have, you never have had. Nobody in your family's ever had. How would you ever do that? You're not smart enough. You don't like school. You made bad grades. You can't read because when you read, I mean, I could physically read, but you'd have no comprehension. I could read a chapter. I couldn't even tell you who was in it. 
That's truth. You may laugh, but that's truth. Because my mind was so bombarded and so jacked up. And he said, what you got to do is take that word. And you got to speak that word continually, ongoingly, persistent, like the drip on that water. And I said, I heard all I needed to hear. And I started taking that word, and we were in, the, we were in a trailer, and, and, and Brother Les, I don't remember, but the, he may not remember, but in that, we didn't have a dog, whoever lived in it before. It always smelled like a wet dog. <laughs> Anybody ever smell a wet dog? It yeah. stinks. And I shampooed that carpet till the fibers were coming out of that thing. I couldn't get the smell out. And I started taking that word. I'm only saying that because it's where I lived. And I, I started taking that word and I started declaring what he said in the word. I'll never be broke another day in my life. I started to do something about the thoughts that were hurling against me. I started doing something with the word. I was being a doer of the word. And I said scriptures on finances. Hundreds and hundreds of times and didn't see anything happen. Wanted to quit many a times. And the thought, it just seemed, it wasn't like this, but it seemed this way to me. It seemed like every time I took a step, there was a thought. It was that bad all the time, hurling one end to the other. I didn't know this, what I'm teaching you now. From one end to the other, constant, continual. See, the enemy was trying to get me to quit before I ever got started. And he was putting this pressure on me, and I just kept saying, I'll never be broke another day in my life. And I kept smelling wet dog, having a beat-up car with cancer on the side of it, had rust on the side of it. Had so many mice in that trailer, I could have made a jacket. (laughs) Kidding, no kidding. I would come home from church, drive 45 minutes, hour one way, drive it back. Every time the church door were open. I'd come in there sometimes, and the mice would look outside of the trash can at me. I took off my shoe and threw it at them. <laughs> and we have mouse. Uh, you, say, you go in the bathroom and you hear stuff on the walls moving. Yeah. Oh, it's a bad scene. And we're sitting, there, we're sitting there confessing the word and confessing the word and confessing the word and confessing the word. And it's thoughts and thoughts. And some of you may feel that way today. Where it seems like you're just coming with all these thoughts and they're just coming in at, like at a rapid pace. But I'm telling you, it gets more rapid right before you get to the end. And I'm telling you, praise God. And but one day came. I kept speaking the word and 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 speaking the word, wanting to quit, but get back up, speak the word, speak the word, wanting to quit, get back up, speak the word. I kept speaking the word over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Kept watering the seed, giving light to the seed. And then one day, I remember, I still had smelly carpet. I still had a jacked up car. I still had hardly nothing to wear. But I remember the day I got up. And all of a sudden on the inside, there was the blade. That seed had now taken root in me. And it was a, it was a period of time. It fine, I knew it. I didn't see it. I knew it. I said to my wife, something changed. Something is different. And from that moment forward, everything began to change. And right before that took place, that's when the devil come on me the hardest. I'm telling you, some of y'all, y'all been dealing with thoughts. You've been dealing with all these things. And his greatest attack is right at the end. You're almost there. Don't quit now. You're almost on the other side of that. He's getting ready. He's going to have to let you go because you're just going to keep on speaking and keep on quoting the word of God. Don't quit now. The best is yet to come. But those thoughts are real. But you just keep moving and you don't quit. Now, it took me a long time. It may not take you a long time to get through things. And I, I don't think it generally does when you don't have a lot of wrong rooted in you. I had years of poverty in me. And it had convinced my mind and it was in my heart. And the Lord years later told me, he said, you know why it took you so long? I said, no, sir, I sure like to know. Because it seemed like it took me. Now, for healing, all those other things didn't take long at all. But for this, it did. And the Lord said, there was two things happening when you were confessing, giving water, and giving it light. He said, number one, the word was killing the old seeds, choking all that out, but new seed was being planted. He said, so you are actually removing the old and planting the new. And he said, that takes longer time. You know, somebody comes in church, don't know nothing about healing, and you just preach the word to them. It goes right in, it grows up, they walk in healing. But something that's been rooted in you for years and years and years, and what happens is people give up. Because it don't work after six months or it don't work after three months. I confessed all that and it didn't change. 
And so people give up and they don't realize that some of these things are so rooted in us and so ingrained in us and it takes time to get that thing rooted out. So you got to go back to the Word and say, Lord, I may not understand it. I, it may not look like things are changing, but I'm believing the Word of God and you declare it's changing. I say it's changing and I am never going to be the same in the name of Jesus. I'm going to stay right with your Word regardless of what I feel, what it looks like. I'm going to stay in the Word of God. And I kept speaking the word and speaking the word and speaking the word. But you know what? That one day comes. And I'm telling you, your day will come. When you'll get up that day and you go, praise God, something has changed. And then you keep, and you know, today, uh, uh, finances, and I'm not bragging about that, but finances, it used to be so dominating over me. And today it is my footstool. That is one of the strongest revelations I have is about finances. And one of the strongest things I move in is money. And it's interesting because it used to be the thing that dominated me. And I told the Lord, I said, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing in every area of my life where everything is my footstool instead of the devil ruling over my life and all these other areas. But it's the same principle, the same method, no matter what you're dealing with. You use the word. You plant the word. You you go against these thoughts that come against you. Are you with me? So now let's go back to Ephesians 6. I'm almost out of time already. I hope you're getting some help. Ephesians 6, it says here, verse 11, real quick, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the wiles, the way he comes of the devil. Amen. And then notice it says here, he says we're able to stand. Now, notice what verse 13 and 14 says. It shows us how to stand. Verse 12 tells us what we're standing over. Verse 13 and 14 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Here's the key. Standing therefore with your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of what? Righteousness. So the word here is what we're using to stand against the devil. The low and belt of truth is the word of God that is wrapped around you. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Gird up the loins of your mind. So it's the Word of God that's girding about me. It's the Word of God that I'm wrapping around me. I'm using the Word to defend my mind. I'm using the Word to defend against wrong thoughts. I'm using the Word as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And think about this for just a minute. Of all the weaponry, all the weaponry you have is spiritual. This is the only weaponry that has taken on physical form. All the other weaponry is invisible. Just as real, but this is taken on physical form. So God has given you his physical word that you can look at, because you don't look at your armor. You can look at the word. You can meditate on the word. You can attend to the word. You can use the word to defeat the devil. And this is the sword of the spirit. And it's the only part that is taken on physical form. And we defend our mindset. We defend our mind with the word. We are to take the word of God. And when you take the word of God and you try to cast down a thought, you know what's going to happen? It's not going to feel like you did anything. It's going to, and the enemy's going, that didn't work, that didn't work. And then you just give up. You just quit. Or we yield to it with our feelings. We start bowing ourselves over. We start getting depressed. We start getting overwhelmed with all these thoughts because we're not doing anything about them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we're going we're gonna to go over here. We'll close over here. Praise God. In 2, Timothy, or 2 Corinthians 10. You've got to do something about what's going on in your head. You've got to do something about your mind. You are authorized by God to deal with thoughts. You are authorized. You have the authority. You have the power. You have the dominion. You have the word of God to deal with thoughts. And every thought that doesn't line up with the Word of God, did not come from God, it comes from the devil. Or our own makeup. Now look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Praise God. You getting some help today? I'm telling you, the greatest struggle you're ever going... Spiritual warfare is in the mind. Jesus already dealt with the realm of the Spirit. He already defeated the devil. And much of the warfare you're ever going to deal with is in the mind. Defeat them in the mind, defeat them in the life. Wrong mindset, wrong life set. Right mindset, right life set. You never, nor would I, ever rise above the level of our thinking. Nobody ever does. You think poor, you be poor. You think sick, you'll be sick. You think angry, you give anger. Nothing ever happens in your life or mine without thinking about it first. Nothing. 
Thoughts have to come first. Then actions come second. Manifestations third. Remember, remember Job? Remember when Job was given an offering every day, given an offering because he said, my kids might be doing something? We see the manifestation of Job's fear by his action. We see what's going on in Job's mind by his action. What he's thinking. It might be, so I better do this. He's playing right into the devil's game. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and look at this. This is, this is to you and me what we're supposed to do in closing. For the weapons of verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not natural. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where are these strongholds at? In the mind. Strongholds are in the mind. Casting down imaginations or reasonings, be a better word in the Greek, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing in the captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now he's talking about any thought or any suggestion or any reasonings or anything like that that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God and what the Word says about you, you're supposed to cast that down. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. You can't do it. I'm supposed to cast that down because it's trying to exalt against the knowledge of Christ. You're poor. No, I've been made rich by his poverty. I got to cast that thought down. You'll never amount to nothing. I'm somewhere going to happen. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. See, I'm addressing the problem. Now, if you don't address the problems over a period of time and you let them, your mind be a playground, eventually those thoughts will become strongholds. A lot of people have strongholds in the mind. Now, this word strongholds in the Greek carries two meanings. It's two meanings. One of them is a prison. A prison is, is something that keeps you behind bars. You can see freedom, but you ain't free. Everybody that passes you up, you see what, how they're enjoying life, but you're not. It's like you're locked up in a prison. When a stronghold gets a hold of your life, it's like you're in a prison. You're behind these iron bars and you can't get out. Why? Because you have believed these thoughts to the point that you've accepted them. They're a stronghold and they hold you. That's why they call them strongholds. Hallelujah. And when a person has a stronghold, uh, when, like you're in a prison, it's a lie. It's generally connected to a lie that's working against your mind. It's a lie that you've believed. And the enemy has permeated your mind through consistently dripping thoughts into you to the point that you believe it and now you feel like a prisoner. You're in prison. The devil's got you locked up. So don't matter how many sermons you hear. You're a stronghold. You're in prison. You've chose to be in a prison. Then the other one means a castle or a fortress. The other side of this word means a castle or fortress. People build castles and fortresses to keep people out so that nobody gets in. You can have a stronghold in your mind and you've believed a lie so much that it's permeated your life so much that no matter how much truth is hurled at your mind, you won't let it in. It's like a castle. So you're either in a prison or you're outside of a fortress. No matter anybody tells you the truth, you won't believe it. My wife years ago had an issue, had a stronghold in her mind of bulimia. No matter what you told her, she thought she was fat. She got delivered on Dr. Jacob's ministry. I would tell her, honey, you're beautiful. You're this or that. So I was hitting her with the word of God. But it wouldn't come in because she had a stronghold as a fortress. And no matter how much I would try to bring truth, it wouldn't permeate it. She had to be delivered. There had to be an anointing to break that. And a lot of people today feel this way. They don't know the road the devil goes. The thoughts that come make sense. In the Greek, it also means logical and illogical. 
Logical thoughts are the hardest ones to deal with because they make sense. And when they're logical and they fit you, it's easy. Just like my wife, it started working on her and working on her and working. Even as a child, a young girl, before I married her, it was working on her. See, a long period of time until it slipped in. Finally got there because it kept pressure on her to, to the point that now she believes that she's fat. And at the time, she was very skinny. But it didn't make any... Well, you still are. I mean, you know. Come on, you're messing my sermon up. You are skinny. You're beautiful, baby. But my point in saying all that, she had believed that thought. And sometimes we can hide and go through life and never allow the anointing and the power of God to deal with that. But when the power of God deals with that, it's dealt with. And that, 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 that anointing destroys that yoke. Then you got to go back with the word of God and say, no, devil, you're a liar. You hoodwinked me once. You're not going to do it again. I'm going to believe what this word says. And I'm going to stand here and quote this word and believe this word in spite of what I feel, in spite of how the enemy comes. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back up. I am who God says I am. I can do what God said I can do. I can do it through him because verse 10 says he gives me the strength. And so praise God, I've got the strength on the inside of me to get through any storm. Listen to me. You have the faith right now, and I'm going to stop. I can keep preaching, but I need to minister to you. You have, listen to me. You have the faith on the inside of you right now that no matter what storm, no matter how bad it gets, you've got the faith in you right now to defeat every storm, every situation, any situation that will ever come against your life from this point all the way to the end of your life. God put faith on the inside of you and faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the devil. Now you may be sitting here today thinking my faith is really weak. Well, guess what? Your faith can be strengthened. Your faith can grow. You, have, you can have great faith. You can have growing faith. Your faith, if you'll start feeding on the Word of God and start doing what I taught you, your faith will grow and you'll get back on top of the situation instead of feeling like you're underneath the situation. And you cast down those thoughts. I learned this from Dad years ago. He said, you don't answer thoughts with thoughts. You answer thoughts with words. And when those thoughts come and you don't answer them, they will grow in you and continue to be on you until you do something about them. God is not going to do anything. He already done it. You have to take your authority with the word of God and drive him out because this is the, this is the sword of the spirit. And it says in there, and I'm going to stop. I keep preaching. But it says in there that you are to take them captive. And in the Greek, that means like a sword, a piercing of a sword that you, you stick the devil and drive him right out of your life. And that's what the word of God does. You take this word and drive him and you keep saying you stick it. It means the tip of a sword. And you stick that in the devil with the word of God and drive him right out of your life. Right out of your mind, right out of your body, right out of your situation. But see, you have to do that. It can't be done for you. Now, what we're going to do this morning, if you would, please stand up. Praise God. I hope you got said. There's a lot more to be said, but I think we, we've done a, a good job to get, have you to understand. That's the whole point. Now, I want to do this. Now, this is specific.